Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Your Vibes Podcast. Everybody's got a vibe and a story to tell. Here's this one. I hope you enjoy. Alright everybody, welcome back. Here we are again with another episode of Your Vibes Podcast. Got the new equipment set up. Miss Angela, you are the... uh, first one to use this equipment do you feel special i do feel special mm-hmm. i feel like i'm in like some seriously professional recording oh, studio well you are yeah this is it in the so, uh dixon insurance conference room here this is our home and has been for a while and uh i haven't been kicked out quite yet i am looking for a studio i think i've got a spot um i'm hoping to put it but i can't d- divulge any details on that quite yet but uh Anyway, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate you coming in. Um, I know you got a, a busy life and a, and a store to run, so try not to take up too much of your time, but I would like to, to get your story and um, learn a little bit more about the bookstore and, and kind of um, how that's going and, and what made you go that direction. So, you know, like, like most of these other episodes, we'll kind of get started and you just start wherever you want in your life and, and what you were doing before the bookstore and, and kind of we'll work into that transition and then go there. Okay, well... Thanks for having me. This is, um, it's a little nerve wracking, kind of exciting. Well, at least it's not live. I mean, tell people that it's not live so we can just live, talk and do so whatever we want to do. You can edit if you need to. <laughs> um, now you had, I'm excited that you're doing this podcast. I've been listening since, uh, you first started. I don't always listen when they come out, but I may do like a listen to five episodes at one time. So it's been great to hear all of your interviews with everybody. And I feel uh, privileged to be able to be one of the, one of the people to tell their story on your vibes. So thanks for having me. Um, So I guess you want to start with how I ended up in Dixon. Dixon? Yeah. where, where, Where are you from originally? I was born in Naples, Florida. Oh, well, okay. And moved here. It's one of my, favorite stories I moved to Dixon on my sixth birthday wow now my memory might be wrong but in my memory (laughs) somewhere around six I was six and we celebrated my birthday in a Kmart parking lot somewhere on the way to Dixon um we stopped and my mom's favorite cake was always the uh Pepperidge Farms coconut cake oh, yeah, those are the best. she loves those yeah. so that was my sixth birthday cake with a candle on the you know on the tailgate of my dad's truck on our way to our new home in dixon tennessee that's a good so, birthday right there yep that's awesome so what what why the move why are we moving uh well my parents are both from indiana or my dad's from indiana my mom was raised in kentucky but was living in indiana when they met and they lived there when my brother was born um not a whole lot my dad was into was doing construction and carpentry and not a lot of work in indiana at that time um in that field my grandparents were what we call snowbirds and spent every summer or not summer every winter in Florida and had a, um, a winter home down in Naples. So that's how, you know, he knew about Naples and it was just 
in that time in the late 60s, early 70s, was beginning to um, grow and hotels being built. So he moved to Naples or they moved to Naples for the um, construction industry. Okay. And he, my mom used to tell stories about him, um, like they would build the big hotels and when they got the top floor set, not completely finished, they would put a palm tree on the top of the building to to signify that that was the top. Okay. Um, and she always thought that was a kind of a did cool cere- ceremonious thing that they did. Um, so that was like a gift to the house. Here's your palm tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's the, I mean, they, these were hotels. So they were, sure. you know, at that time, they're probably not tall compared to hotels these days, but it, you know, they were the tallest buildings and they would put a palm tree at the top. How about that? Um, so I just that's one of my memories, but that's how they ended up there and lived there until I turned six. And basically, they had you know they had me and grandparents were far away. It was a long drive from sure. the tip of Florida to Indiana. So wanted to be closer to family, um, but still not really not enough work in Indiana. Not that didn't really want to get all the way back there and my dad's favorite part of every trip to indiana um, or back and forth was always driving through tennessee so that's where we how we ended up here he um wanted to live on the river so when we came i remember before my sixth birthday we took a trip and came and we stayed at the highland motel okay um it was a lot different then (laughs) but we stayed there Probably, I don't know how many days we were there, probably about a week. Um, our real estate agent was, um, oh gosh, I could have remembered his name until I started to say it. But I remember um, we had a real estate agent and he took us for days, like every day we would go. We went to Dover. We went to um, Aaron. We went to all kinds of places closer to the river and just weren't finding anything and I remember he was like well let me just show you a a house here in Dixon and so we went and looked at it and when we got out of the car my mom said that she knew it was the one and that's how we ended up here um that's a common story with a lot of people yeah um that come into Dixon is that Corey said on the first episode uh he said you know when people come to Dixon, it just feels normal, you know? Yeah. And that's the same thing with Ron Runyon, the guy that uh, bought a lot of property downtown. He was here and said he stepped out and was like, this is it, you know? It's a very welcoming environment for sure. It is. I mean, we hear that a lot in the bookstore. People who come in and they're, I mean, we get people who come in and are doing that. We're looking for a house and they're like, I think we're just going to move here. <laughs> I'm like, Come on. Come on. Come on. Welcome yeah. to Dixon. Hopefully we can find a house like, for you. I'm your welcoming committee. Here, <laughs> reading rock books. Anyway. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, obviously we're getting a lot of people moving here and um, houses are, uh, you know, whatever price they may be. So I, I don't think that's stopping anybody from coming here. But uh, so you all move here. You find a house. Your dad starts doing construction here. Or? Yes. He was a um, contractor. He was a general contractor here for Many years, uh, Larry Price and Sons General Contracting, um, there are, he didn't do a lot of, he did, he built a few houses, um, 
but a lot of remodels and a lot of that kind of work um, as as opposed to from the ground up building. Okay. He, he was doing a lot of, uh, these days we call it flipping houses. Mm. Um, he flipped a few before flipping was cool. Okay. Um, so it was Larry Price and Sons, so you've got brothers, I guess? I have brothers. I have a... Um, I have a crazy kind of family. I had a I have a half brother okay. um, who didn't live with us at the time. He did, he did go to high school here. He moved okay. in with us. He was living with his mom in Indiana, um, and then I have a a brother who grew up here. And they were just helping him out with the construction business. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so, so you, you've you've moved to Dixon. Um, you're living here now. Where where in Dixon did y'all move? Uh, out on Few Lane, which oh, is okay. in, you know, I looked at, I saw the name of the subdivision just the other day and I thought, hmm, I never knew that was the name of that subdivision, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, where the Oaks is yeah. and where Dixon Athletic used yeah. to be. It's that subdivision back behind there. Okay. It's a good spot. Off of, it's between Brazel Avenue and Furnace cool. Hollow. Cool. So, and um, my mom still lives there. Does she? Mm-hmm. How about that? Still has the house. She's still loving it? Liking her choice to move to Dixon? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you're six. You move here, you settle in, start going to school here. Yep. Making First some friends. First grade. Okay. First grade, yep. Made some friends. I remember, um, I, it's crazy how memory works. Like, there are little snippets that mm-hmm. you can remember. The first friend I think I made in Dixon was April Phillips. Okay. Um, and because I remember meeting her standing on the line in the gym, you know, they lined us uh, up on the first day of school and she was standing next to me and I, you know, asked her what her name is or whatever. We, and she said her name was April. And I was like, like the month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually my parents aren't very creative. <laughs> was her birthday in April? Her birthday was in April. So. And we're still friends. Are she, you? She lives in Cookville now, but we're, um, uh, during COVID, it's interesting, COVID, uh, people ask you, you know, what are, what are the things that happened to COVID? And one of the best things that came out of the COVID year is this group text that my best friend, one of my dearest friends from high school, junior high, we met in fifth grade. She started this group text with all of our high school friends, all the, you know, we used to spend every Friday and Saturday night at each other's houses, you know, the slumber party crew. Um, and we're still like every day de- we're texting each other in, the group and, text. in this group text, my friends from, from high school and junior high. Wow. Everybody doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of us has had COVID twice and oh boy, yeah. And her whole family's had it. And that was, those were actually kind of fun texts. They were pretty funny. I can imagine. <laughs> She's trying to quarantine from her four boys. <laughs> oh, she has a God. husband and two, two and three sons. So there are four of them. And she's like, and she had it and they didn't. So she was quarantined on the, um, they have a four story house. Okay. It's an old house in New Hampshire at um, Exeter University or Exeter um, boarding school. And so she's like, I'm on the fourth floor. I just don't go downstairs. Just hang out yeah. in and the attic up there. Hanging yeah. out in her bedroom. And she's like, my bedroom's never been so clean. <laughs> like, those were the funniest. You're not going to believe what I found. You know, she's sending Under us, the bed. <laughs> she's sending us pictures of things. And where I'm like, it's sad because, uh, you know, 
Was she's, she feeling she's okay? Suffering. I mean, how did that well, go? Well, the first time she had it, um, it it wasn't so bad. It, the worst part was not being able to leave the room and being quarantined and, you know, the 14 days. When she got it the second time, it was pretty bad. Down and out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she wasn't texting us and cleaning her bedroom that time. Yeah, just, just <laughs> take me out of the group text for a little bit <laughs> yes. for 14 days. Yes. I'll be back. Yes. Uh, yeah, we were a little worried about her. And so how, how, how long in between time one and time two did she get it? Oh, that you would ask me that. I don't know. It was quite a while. Okay. I mean, it was like, I feel like she had it in maybe November, December, winter-ish, and then late spring, maybe, okay. or something. I mean, it was a while. I I don't know. She's alive, though. She's alive, She's though. alive. She's, they're all survived. alive. They all survived. Okay. Cool. We've all survived. All right, so everybody survived COVID. All your group text friends are good. Um, so... You're moving right along. You've met April, who was born in April. Um, and you, let's say, well, you'll go through the middle school, get into high school. Um, where kind of in those years, or was it prior to, did you kind of fall in love with the books? You know, was that was that always a thing for you? Oh, well, um, I mean, I've always been a reader, and I, I think it's important for kids to grow up in families that, appreciate literacy um you know as a as a former teacher and reading teacher you hear a lot about reading to children and how important it is to read to them every day and that I didn't have a I didn't have parents who sat down and read to me every night Mm. um which was when I was learning how to be a teacher I was thinking well you know that's if if that's the only way you're going to raise readers what happened to me that's weird you know um, I remember learning to read in kindergarten. Um, I remember before kindergarten, my parents, they didn't read to me every night, but we were surrounded by books. I remember in Florida, so I had to be less than five mm-hmm. or six, um, having a record player that you could play the record and it would go along with the, you know, it'd beep, turn the page. Like a, a, the first edition audio book or something. Yeah, like the first edition audio book. So I would, I would read those books or, you know, read along with Mm -hmm. them when I was, before I was reading. So my mom wasn't reading aloud to me every night, but I was getting read to, like she provided tools for me to fall in love with books. And I, I, can remember spending afternoons doing that and then I'd get the next book and put it on there, you know. So you have to buy the and book and the was yeah, it you're, a, you're so young. I you don't so remember young. these yeah, things. They you, they were they were little books and in the back of the book it would have the forty five record. Okay. And you put the record on there and it and start it and it would tell you, open your book and you <laughs> open it. Open the book. And they would read and then it'd go beep. And you'd turn the page. <laughs> so you knew. And so that one forty-five record was just that one yeah, book? Yeah, that one book. Wow. Do you still have that? I wish. Those are, those are making a comeback. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think they need to make a full comeback. I know Zach's got a... Uh, Zach's Music has a whole bunch of them. That yeah. He's just selling like hotcakes right now. Yep. So... Yep. So at that, I mean, from an early age, I fell in love with books. I remember my kindergarten teacher, there are two things I remember about kindergarten. And I went to kindergarten in Florida, in Naples, Florida. 
I remembered that, and I didn't realize, I didn't figure this out until later, but my kindergarten teacher had cancer Mm. because one day she came in and took off her wig and it freaked us all out. I can imagine. (laughs) Unexpected surprise there. Until much later that it clicked with me. Oh, that's why she was bald. (laughs) She had cancer. Why did she take her wig off? I guess she was afraid. I don't know. I assume maybe she was afraid it would fall off or slide, and she wanted us to know. Like she, I don't know. Here's the deal. She probably told us that she had cancer, and I didn't listen. I don't know. I was probably talking to my friend instead of listening. April and you were just talking. Yeah, yeah, we were talking (laughs) instead of listening. I don't know. So I remember that, and I remember that she had centers, and my favorite center was the one with the rocking chair and all the books. Okay. And you could go sit in the rocking chair and read. And that was where I always, I either wanted to go there or I wanted to go to the art center where you could make little um, people and fold the construction paper and make their arms and legs go boing, boing, boing. <laughs> That's awesome. So art and books, those have always been two of my okay. favorite things. Uh, so. Any particular book that you thoroughly enjoyed as a small child? Gosh, you ask hard questions, Michael. Well, um, make you think a little bit. Make me think a little bit. I, uh, I, uh, here's one, a collection of books um, that I bought or my mom bought me. I didn't have my own money then, probably, at Volume One Bookstore in downtown Dixon. Okay. Um, when it was located where Ginger Hibachi is now. Really. Yep. Um, it was a box set of A.A. A. Milne books. So it had Winnie the Pooh. It had House at Pooh's Corner. It had um, like three poetry books in it. Um, and I loved that set of books. I I don't know how many times I read those. Wow. Which, and we, I've just this year bought the set for my son. Same so set? That he, same set, yeah. And we try to keep it in the bookstore all the time because it's just such a classic great classic set of books but so those were really special to me and then um uh little house on the prairie i love those books uh, i remember reading those in middle school um i'd go in and get the next one those and the Wizard of Oz books. Did you know that's a series? I did not. Yeah, there's a series of those, and I read all of those in middle school. Loved them. Did they follow the movie pretty well, or did the movie follow them pretty well? Uh, the movie is really just the first one. Oh, there's more. So she goes back to Kansas. It's been a long time. I don't remember Michael. <laughs> <laughs> she get picked up by another another tornado and whisked away. <laughs> no, no, I'll have to go back and reread them, but. I, I remember those. And then, of course, uh, Beverly Cleary. I, okay. I, Beverly Cleary uh, passed away earlier this year. Um, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but my best friend, my, my um, college roommate, was in town. And we were enjoying some of the nightlife of downtown Dixon. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Furnace for a while, and then we ended up down at uh, House of Brews, which both very fun places to to be. And on our we were coming home and I pulled my phone out and it I saw that Beverly Cleary had passed away. And I just started crying. 
I'm emotional my, right now. My husband, Terry, Dan, they're all like, what in the world? Like, what's the matter? I'm like, Beverly Cleary died. <laughs> like, they're like, who? No, no, Terry knew I was talking about it. She was like, you're kidding me. And so I, like, I'm like, I have to order some Beverly Cleary books for the store. <laughs> and they're like, you are kidding me. You need me. a memorial service yeah, at like, the store. Yeah, like, I have to make a memorial for Beverly Cleary because her books were always, um, I read all of them, the Henry, and the, I, just, I read all of those when I was, like, third, fourth grade. Okay. Was there, were you a Hardy Boys fan? Wasn't there like a Hardy girl? What There's was, Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew, that's what it was. No, no I wasn't Drew? a mystery fan, and I still, I'm still not. You know, okay. we have so many people who love to read mysteries and the thrillers and things. And I, I mean, I will sometimes, but it's not really my, they just seem formulaic to me. Okay. You know, I'm like. Predictable. Predictable. Like, okay, I figured out what's going to happen. Sure. I don't want to read the rest of it. Like, okay, there's a mystery. It's like Scooby-Doo. I mean. Love some Scooby-Doo, though. I love Scooby-Doo, but there's really no point in reading it. Sure. You know they're going to catch they're the gonna monster. They're going to catch him. And he's going to have a mask on. He's and these meddling have... kids are going to exactly. ruin everything. I mean, it's fun to watch, but to read, not as much. Okay. Um, so you're moving right along. Um, get out of school. Go to college. I went to UT Martin. Did you? I did. Well, wow. what did you study there? Uh, elementary education. Okay. So it was an easy transition into becoming a... So that was your plan, right? Become a teacher? Is that... Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Just go get it for the heck of it. No, I went... Um, I went to be a teacher. Elementary education. I wanted to make a difference. Um, I got there and then... I think I changed my major several times. I was going to be an art teacher. Thought about doing a business degree. Took a lot of theater classes. Really didn't know what I was going to do. So after three years, the third year, I I had enough. Like it it was decision making time. Like do you, you have enough classes here, you could get a degree in theater. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> like it's a lot of fun, but I'm not going to Broadway. I'm not really right what do I do with that degree of course I you know grew up hearing do something that that you're going to get paid for you know and not a family where you know follow your dream make that paycheck (laughs) right yeah you're not going to make it on Broadway so (laughs) don't go to anyway um so that third year I made the decision to not go back because I didn't I felt like I was wasting time like do I want to switch to business do I want to stay in education do what do I want to do um so I didn't go back to school I got a job at um Frost Arnett Company in downtown Nashville what is that it's a collection agency okay that sounds riveting I was an accounting clerk at Frost Arnett Company um one of my dad's best friends was the vice president of, okay. of that company. And I, when I decided not to go back, um, my mom said, well, if you're not going back to school, you're going to pay rent. And I was like, pay rent to live here? <laughs> I'll pay rent to live somewhere else. Uh, sure. So um, she's like, what are you going to do? And I called, I called Rusty, my dad's friend, and said, do you have a job? And he said, let me see what I can find. So I was an accounting clerk um, wow. at... Frost Arnett, and they would 
uh, well, I started out actually as data entry and I'd get these big stacks of checks and you just enter the payments, go through and enter the payments and then balance it at the end of the day or at the end of each stack. And then at the end of the day, you'd make sure it all balanced. And, and I got promoted up to accounting clerk and what um, did you do as an accounting clerk? I, they gave me a phone. Oh, no way. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I remember that was a big day. Uh, it sounds like it. I like to talk. Yeah. And I kept getting in trouble. Because <laughs> we had all these cubicles. And so I would talk and they'd be like, you can't talk. I'm like, I can't not talk. <laughs> what, <laughs> do do? Do? what do you want me to do? And so, um, and I, I mean, I was like, well, it doesn't interfere with my work. And they're like, yeah, but it interferes with other people's work. <laughs> like other people may not be able to concentrate. And I'm like. Okay, so then they—they're getting complaints with HR that there's this woman that just walks around the office and talks to everybody, and nobody's getting anything done. I was sitting there doing my work. I would just talk. There was a girl there named Cindy that she and I would talk. And anyway, um, we—I remember they—they came in and decided they said, you know, we're going to move you to a different cubicle. And I got a phone in that cubicle, so then I could answer the phone and talk to the um, the people. They would call in with questions about their bills or about, you know, did these get paid? Like Vanderbilt was one of the um, Vanderbilt Hospital was one of their biggest clients, and we were doing collection for them. So they would call all the time and be like, "Well, did this person pay or did this mm. person?" You know, and so I'd look it up and find out and you know what's our balance what do I need you know I mean they're trying to figure out how much they need to pay or they're saying we paid this and I'm looking in the computer to figure out why their payment doesn't match what we have or all those kind of things did you want to run your head through a wall at some point no I really liked it okay well that's good yeah it was fun but it was I I don't know I mean wasn't your forever it wasn't my forever. I was young. Sure. You know. Just testing so. things out. You know, too, too many people rush things these days. You know, they're worried that they haven't found their life mission, you know, at such a young age or whatever it may be. And I know me, I've worked so many odd jobs, you know, construction for Habitat. I was a uh, slush puppy. I worked for slush puppy. I was delivering their product and drinking their product and cleaning their machines. And uh, I was a DJ, still am a little bit. Uh, you know, and and sold pest control for a while. Hey, I was a certified pest control technician for Were a while. Were you? Yeah. So is this come? This comes after the oh, yeah, collections this is agency. Way after. I've done so many things. Well, uh, okay. So what's after the collections agency? Oh, you don't, you really don't want to spark down. <laughs> Okay. Give me some highlights so of maybe after the your collection, favorites. Here, I guess. Here's a funny one. So I worked at while I was working at the collection agency. Because here I am, you know, my mom says, you're going to pay rent. And, and I said, really? I'm going to find an apartment. <laughs> so I'm living on my own in White Bluff in this cute little apartment and um, decide I want to buy a vehicle. So I go and buy a Ford Bronco. Mm. And that was oh, the sweet, sweet. Was it white? Sweet. No, it was navy blue and Ooh, silver. baby. Yeah, it's a good it truck. So there. sweet. Yeah. I loved it. Anyway, so I buy it. Well, then I have to have I have to pay an apartment and a vehicle. So um, Christmas time rolls around. I decided I would get a second job at Toys R Us. It would see, you know, they were hiring sure. seasonal employees. So so I get the Toys R Us job, 
and worked the seasonal position. And at the end of the season, some of us, they said, we want to hire you full time, but you're going to have to fill out this application. So we're standing in the little customer service area, filling out this application. And the guy next to me looks over and he goes, geez, how old are you? Cause uh-uh. <laughs> it has, you know how you have to fill out oh, yeah. your prior employment. Oh, yeah. And I've like, I'm, and I'm like, there's not enough room for all, <laughs> which ones do I put on there? And he's like, I thought you were like my age and you've already had all those jobs. I was like, well, yeah, well, yeah. I like to do things. I like to do things. Yeah. I worked in a library. I worked, you know, okay. I'd done. A, I'd worked at Subway. I'd done a lot of different things, but tried it all out. I tried it all out. Yeah. So then, yep. uh, when did the transition to becoming a certified so teacher happen? I, um, so I was working at the collection agency, working at Toys R Us, and I met a guy in Nashville and um, started dating him and he was a dud and his best friend was not. <laughs> so that. Yeah, his best friend and I ended up getting married and he was a musician, go figure, in Nashville. He was a keyboard player, very talented keyboard player. Um, and we got married and he decided that he did not want to be touring. He didn't want to be on the road because he was married. You know, not a good idea to be traveling all over the country. Um, he was playing when we were dating. He he played with Conway Twitty. Oh wow, cool. Um, Tanya Tucker. So he was playing, but he was he's a, such an interesting guy. He he's not a country music fan, mm-hmm. but he's in Nashville, and back at that time it was. That's all there is. That's all there was. And um, so he was getting all these great gigs with country music stars, but he really wanted to play jazz. Not so much with the jazz sure. in Nashville. But um, talked to his agent, said, hey, I want a job that's, can you find me something where I'm not having to travel? And uh, they found him a job at the Whiskey River in Macon, Georgia. Okay. So we moved to Macon and lived there for four years. He had a full-time um, house band gig. They played every night, and he was home every day. So That's awesome. So that's what so we did. So did you get to meet some of these stars along the way that he was playing with before he... No, because by the... By the I mean, at that point, he's not touring with them. So, I mean, I met Big Mike, who was part of the house band there we go. the Whiskey River, and... Um, some, you know, up and coming, I guess, or want to be up and coming people in Macon, Georgia. I mean, it wasn't like we were, he was playing with any major stars at that point, Sure, but it was a, but he was happy, but he was happy and he was, you know, he knew he had work to do every night and cool. had a regular paycheck and, you know, depending on how many drinks Ernie had, on Saturday night, you might get a bonus every week. You never know. You know how busy the the Keep place was. Keep on drinking, Ernie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so did you move to Georgia with him? I did. Yeah. Okay. So we lived in Georgia for four years, um, and that's actually where my daughter was born. Okay. Was born in Florida, and while we were there, um, I worked at Toys R. I worked at Subway, which I had worked at Subway here. <laughs> I got a job at Subway there. I worked at Toys R Us while I was there. Um, I worked at a 
uh, like a Miss Amy's gymnastics okay. dance studio. And that's where the transition happened. So I was working there and made friends with the, one of the other teachers. I was, I was teaching three-year-olds how to do ballet. Okay. And one of the other teachers there was an education major at Georgia College. Um, and we just got to talking, and, and that's where I kind of got, well, you know, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should go finish my degree. And... I did. I went to Milledgeville and applied for to get in, transferred all my credits that could transfer, and um, a year later graduated with a degree in elementary, well, actually not elementary education. In Georgia, they didn't, they had already transitioned, and I don't know if, if Tennessee even does this still, but they, you couldn't get a elementary degree it was um early middle secondary okay so i got a degree in middle grades with a concentration in math and science what are those middle grades um in georgia the middle grades were third through eighth okay in tennessee so then i was the (laughs) the first person in the state of tennessee to have a middle grades licensure Wow. And I know this because I worked at Oakmont Elementary. Um, Janie Thomas, um, amazing principal, first principal I ever had, and love her dearly. But she, um, after my first year teaching sixth grade, is when sixth grade moved to the middle school. Hmm. So it was either leave and go with the sixth grade or move down to a younger grade. And back then the principals would bring you in and talk to you and, you know, kind of, what do you want to do next year conversation? And she brought me in and she said, and a lot of the teachers left and went to the discovery school because all of that happened. That's right. And she, she sat me down and she said, you know, you signed that you would work here three years. You can do what you want, but you said you would work for me for three years. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't twist my arm too hard. But I'm only certified for fourth through eighth. Because in Tennessee, my when I got all it, because I had to take the Tennessee test and everything, and when they sent me my license, it was four through eight instead of third through eight. Mm. And she said, well, I really need you in third grade. And I was like, okay, Janie, but I don't think I'm certified mm. for third grade. And she said, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. So she moved me. They had built onto the school. She moved me down to the third grade hall. And I mean, I'm getting all set to teach third grade and, um, Miss Caudill, do you know, do you know Miss Caudill's wife? Yeah. 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 She calls and she's like, well now, sweetie. Oh boy. I hate to tell you this, but I don't think you're going to be able to teach third grade. (laughs) And I was like. It was just like the day school was supposed to start. It wasn't quite that late. I mean, okay. it was it was late in the summer, but I was like, well, I was kind of afraid of that. Um, 
she said, yeah, the state is, they're not going to certify. They're, they're, they're going to stick to it. And you have to teach four through eight. And I, and I was like, oh, talk to the principal, talk to, yeah. talk to Janie. So, <laughs> so Janie moved me to fifth grade. She moved somebody into third grade, moved me to fifth grade. Um, and I taught fifth grade for years, uh, I don't know what, what, I don't even remember what question you asked me, but. No, that's it. Yeah, we're just getting in the transition of you being a teacher. And uh, so you taught fifth grade. What was your favorite part about teaching fifth graders? If there I, is any. I mean, I loved all of it. I loved being with the kids. I It was interesting when I got hired, um, when I was hired that year, it was late. I mean, I. I remember it was my birthday when she called and my birthday is July 25th. So that's late in the summer. I mean, I was like sweating, like nobody's going to hire me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew Mr. Burnett wasn't going to hire me cause he needed a first grade teacher. And I was like, mm, no, can't teach kids how to read. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not happening. Not happening. I left that interview and thought, well, that was pointless. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> Um, I don't even remember any of the other interviews. Well, I interviewed at White Bluff Elementary and that was like, I was like this anomaly. They all wanted to interview me. And then when they found out I could only teach fourth through eighth grade, it's like, oh, well, we don't need fourth through eighth grade. So they needed, needed the younger group They of needed people. the younger, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and and anyway, then would that just have been a whole process for you to get certified? Yeah. I mean, I, because I didn't have a degree in, in elementary mm. education. I didn't have those. I hadn't taken any classes in how to teach reading. Okay. I, it was all content. You know, I have I get the kids after they know how to read, not okay. the early phonics and phonemic awareness and all of those things. I hadn't had any classes in that. So, so of course, they didn't want me teaching. Sure. I mean, <laughs> this is like, the word and this well, is how you say it. And I remember when I interviewed with Mr. Burnett and he asked me how I'd feel about teaching first grade. I'm like, that scares me to death. Like, I, I don't want to be responsible for teaching them how to read. Like, That's the most important thing. <laughs> you can't do that. So I was like, well, I really, I'm not getting that job. <laughs> I just told him, no, not, I can't do not that. Not doing it. Not doing that. Don't put that on me. <laughs> So she calls me on my birthday, July 25th, and offers me the job. And the reason she did, and it was so late, was because of enrollment. So they had started a new thing at Oakmont that year where they were team teaching in fifth grade. Mm. So you had two teachers in the same classroom teaching. So one of the teachers would do some subjects, the other would do the other subjects, and they were in there all day together team teaching their enrollment was so high that they had an extra class worth of kids that they didn't have a classroom for so they had to hire another teacher for this extra group so i was hired at the last minute to take this class of kids i mean the the overflow kind of because they didn't have enough team classrooms and so i was the only self-contained teacher that year Really? In the fifth grade. So you had so, the first license yeah. for that, and you were the first or the only I was single the, teacher. Yeah, I was the only fifth grade classroom that was one teacher in the room. Did you have to do the work for two people? or? I mean, I taught all the subjects, yeah, and, yeah. and I loved that. I loved it. I mean, we went, it wasn't long after that that everybody, we were all team teaching, and we had, but we didn't, 
there weren't not everybody was in the same classroom team teaching we had i had a partner teacher and they would the kids would go okay. from room to room and i mean it, it's changed several different ways over the years but my favorite years were those first years where it was me it was my kids we were honest you know i mean i was like i don't know what i'm doing y'all <laughs> We're going to figure this out together. (laughs) Hold on for the ride. Yeah, because I had, I mean, I had learned in Georgia, and I always felt like what I learned in college, I was about, I was several years ahead of what we were doing here. Okay. As far as the middle school concept, I mean, I learned the middle school concept, and then I came back here, and then several years later we transitioned to the middle school concept does that make sense um one of our one of my professors was the he was like the father of the middle school concept Mm. and had written all these articles he was that was his thing so i came here and they're all talking about the tim's method and i'm like what's that (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about like and it was just different trying to figure out how to teach the way that I had learned and felt like was the way to teach and fit it in this box of the Tim's method that everybody else was using. So it was probably good that I was by myself. Sure. Doing your own thing. (laughs) Doing my own thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you were blowing and going, uh, teaching. Uh, So how long, so what was your time span there kind of as far as how many years you were teaching? So... I taught fifth grade for, see, I don't remember years anymore. Um, Several years. It didn't take me long, though, because I was a math and science concentration, and that was what I was super excited about, teaching math and science. Mm -hmm. didn't take me long to realize that if they can't read, (laughs) can't really do math and science. (laughs) Like It's a little difficult to learn other things if you can't read the textbook and so um and reading math is a literacy skill that's it's still reading Mm -hmm. you know Uh, you have to learn how to read that book and read that uh, the um technical writing kind of stuff so i went back i went to uh west tennessee writing project and became certified as a teacher consultant in the writing project and became a reading teacher reading and writing teacher okay was this like an extracurricular type class or did it fit in with your math and science the reading teacher part of it the well when that at that point i had a i was on a team so i taught the reading and okay and i taught reading writing and i i did math for a while reading writing and math and the other teacher taught science social studies and spelling i think um but that's when I kind of transitioned to really enjoying the the reading and the literature part of it and the writing stuff. Um, taught for several more years. A good friend of mine was the uh, computer room teacher. She had she had taught sixth grade with me. When sixth grade moved, she moved to fifth grade. Taught fifth grade with me for a while not with me, but she was in fifth grade and then moved into the computer lab and was teaching kids keyboarding, how to use computers, um, different things in the computer lab. And at about the same time, we were both kind of like, you know, ready to do something different. Like, what do we do? And so 
um, I had an interview at the middle school to, to move to middle school. And she, this was after TCAP one day and she came in and she was like, you have an interview? She wasn't from here. So she always felt like I always had a, like a leg up because I was from Dixon. And she's like, you have an interview? Can I go with you? And I was like, well, that's kind of awkward, but sure. <laughs> Come on. She's like, I've never met Mr. Chandler. So she went with me and, um, I introduced them and we both ended up getting a job at the middle school and wow. moved to, um, eighth well, that grade worked out nicely. Yeah. And we were on a team there. That was, um, when I look back on teaching, I loved, I loved all of it. Don't get me wrong. But sixth grade was that first year was great. I mean, first year of teaching is, is it's like a dream come true, I guess. And I was in a great school, great principal. It was just fun. It was all new, learning stuff, learning new things, teaching new things, getting to know the kids. It was great. Um, so that's one of my highlights. And then being on the team that I was on at Dixon Middle School mm. when I taught there, we, we took the middle school concept and really made it work. Cool. You know, I still, well, Rachel, who works for me, was one of my students during that time. Wow. That, that I taught Small on that town, team. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well. She met her husband in my class. How about that? You're a little matchmaker. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't do that, but they did meet in my class. I mean, I, I do, I feel like I, as a reading teacher, was able to build community in my classroom and create a, a safe place for those students. Because if you think about it, public education, you have every, you have every type of student, every type of child. You have representatives from every type of family and, and every demographic in the community is in your classroom, mm. you know. So you have to figure out how to make all of them feel safe and important in that 45 Individually minutes. Individually and as a whole. Individually yeah. and as a whole. And that's what, that's what I enjoy doing. You know, I started doing that with my fifth graders and sixth graders and then trying to like it was easier because you had them all day long. Mm. You know, if you had a if you took them to the cafeteria and they got in trouble with the cafeteria monitor, you could sit down with the class and say, look, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And you could take a little time. But when you have them 45 minutes, you don't have the time to do all of that. But if you have a team of teachers mm. who takes that time to sit and talk through things and really, and that's what we did that was magical. Um, Greg Brees was on that team. Um, Mr. Cochran, um, who was, he was a retired Church of Christ um, pastor. Um, Mary Lou Reed and Lisa Merle, she's still teaching at Dixon Middle School. Okay. Um it was just one of those teams. Like we would, we would have meetings, and we never, we didn't always agree on everything, but we agreed that whatever we did was for the benefit of our students, mm. and we would fight it out during our planning time, come to an agreement, and then leave. And that's what we were doing, you know. And we we believed in that. I, that's the only team that I think I have ever worked with where we 
took that philosophy of the kids never knew. Like if we, we could be fighting for an hour and a half and disagreeing on, I say fighting, disagreeing on how we're going to do something because we all had different opinions and different thoughts, but we'd get to the end of it, come to a conclusion and the kids never knew well, that that team didn't all agree on that from the beginning. That that's worked. what we were going to do. And they, and it worked because well, the kids knew that if they came to me and said, you know, I mean, it, they would, you know, if we had free time or whatever and we'd set the rules and we knew ahead of time, what are the, what are all the things we need to know? You know, they couldn't come to me and get away with something that mm-hmm. somebody else wasn't going to let them do. I mean, we all agreed, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is what's going to happen. My daughter's going um, through that right now. Daddy says no. She's going to run straight to Mama. Yeah. Going to be on the same page, though. Yeah. And then we can talk about it after, like, all right, how should we handle this, or how should we handle this, or right. whatever it may be. But, uh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was just fantastic. To yeah. ha- it was magical to have a team of that many people that knew, that could work together so well sure and um and get on the same page well i'm sure that provided you a lot of um obviously working with a team uh like that and and organizing and and working um you know with children as well too and especially you know uh, kind of specializing in the in the reading aspect of it um kind of led you down the road to to maybe feel somewhat prepared to kind of branch out on your own on that Did you feel the gain a little confidence as far as you know transitioning from that you know now we're teaching and 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 what what sparked that interest to to get out of the classroom um and then move into the bookstore um well teaching has changed a lot over the years and i always said when i when i graduated with my degree in education and became a teacher I always had a path in mind that I thought was my calling um and it was I mean I was called to teach I fully believe that that was my calling that was what I was meant to do but I also knew that um when it wasn't fun anymore that I didn't need to be doing it sure um I had two professors at Georgia College. Um, I called them the Doctors Martin because they were married and they both were professors at Georgia College. And I had classes with both of them and they were they were amazing. But I'll never forget one of them, um, the female one. She taught a lesson. She told us, you know, when you get to the point where you're not enjoying it, the students aren't going to enjoy it either. Mm. So you need to figure something out. And so they, for me, were like my, I I wanted to be like them. Like, okay, so I'm going to do this until it's not fun anymore. And then I'm going to go back and become a college professor. Mm. And that's what I always thought I would do. Like I would do it and then I would become a professor. So I always wanted to get my master's and my PhD in education. That was my plan. Um, I did apply at Vanderbilt and I did not get accepted. Hmm. I still think it's because 
I was pregnant when I applied. Okay. Yeah. I started the the application process and after the after starting the process and you have this whole stuff that you have to, you know, do to apply at Vanderbilt or to any college. Um, I was applying for a master's program. I was trying to get a certain scholarship and there were things I needed to do. I found out I was pregnant right after I said, I'm going to do this. And I went, had to, it was just long enough that I had to retake the SAT and I did funny thing. The first time I took it, my scores in math would have qualified me for Vanderbilt math and science. I mean, all of my scores would have, my reading was my lowest score when I retook it and I didn't, study enough for the math I barely missed the qualifications to get into Vanderbilt on my score my math score my reading was I had topped out on it it would have been fine and the letter was really nice I think "Hmm, maybe they really meant that that I should apply again but I I never did okay it was like well that wasn't 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 meant to be and I, I mean at this point now I have three kids um Actually, do I have three kids at that point? Yeah, I had three kids at that point. That was when I was pregnant with Thomas. Um, and I really, you know, wasn't, I don't know, it kind of burst my bubble Understood. that that's what I was going to do. And It's like a reality check. Yeah, yeah. So so I didn't, I didn't apply anywhere else. Um, I had people tell me, well, just go somewhere else. But my dream was to go to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to go to Peabody and get my PhD eventually. And I was going to be a college professor. And so that door kind of shut and I continued teaching. I was an instructional coach in Humphreys County at the time. And then I, um, had a friend who was a principal here called me and, and said, Hey, come back to Dixon and teach literature. So I went back into the classroom and those were the hardest three years probably mm. of my life was being back in the classroom and and I don't really know why, but I knew for a while that this isn't really what I want to do. You know, it's time. Time for me to do something else. Um, and so I decided it was time to do something else. So I got out of teaching and... As our friend Joan Ryle would say, I flittered around <laughs> for a few <laughs> years trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And um, went to, that's when I became a pest control certified okay. pest control. So were you selling specialist. or spraying? Or? Um, I was the office manager for Mosquito Authority. Oh, cool. Uh, that's right i remember that yeah uh, for some reason i don't know how we had crossed paths or maybe you had told me that prior to but it was just right over here it was down was it down 70 Where yeah was it? it was down that's right yep yep when i first started and then he, we moved out to by the interstate in okay. pomona um but i was the office manager and we were developing the training program and hiring um technicians and stuff and being a believer in education i felt like anybody who worked there needed to be familiar with everything. Like, what are we doing? So I went and tested and got certified as a pest control technician. 
It's not a very easy test when I took it. I mean, it's not terrible. It wasn't that bad. But not that bad. But uh, I, I was more on the I sales side. I did make the highest score of anybody How at Mosquito Authority. Look at that. If only Vanderbilt but, would take that. You know, I know. That I mean, so come nice. on. <laughs> I had the highest. Anyway, no. Uh, so you, you flittered around and, and, and uh, worked at Mosquito Authority. And then, so the bookstore was, was up and running. And who, who owned it prior to? Laura Phi Hill and That's her right. sister, Amy Jernigan. Okay. And yep. so were you a frequent customer or? I was. Okay. I was. And actually, so interesting enough, Mosquito Authority, managing office manager, helping uh, my friend David with Mosquito Authority, where, you know, I'm, I go to all these Mosquito Authority uh, conventions or conferences and that the yearly, you know, motivational rah, rah, mm-hmm. woo, mosquito authority, mm-hmm. yay. Kill them bugs. Yeah. And I leave thinking, I could do this. Yeah. Let's buy a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. We were, I believe you. Yeah. Those rah, rah conventions can, yeah, really they, put you in a They spot. can really make you think, <laughs> this is what I need to do, you know. It was great. I mean, look at it. And it is actually... Yeah, that, they make a bunch of money doing it. Yeah, I mean, and that company demand. is actually... I mean, the the CEO of Mosquito Authority... Um, well, one thing I liked about him is he was a reader. Like, we went and you when you got there, there was a table and you got free books. I need to hit them up. Yeah, so you, now yeah. we're talking. Yeah, anyway... Um, but you had books, they give you a journal and he came in and he tells his story and his story is great. I mean, he started the company because he had a child who was allergic to mosquito bites Hmm. and they couldn't enjoy playing in their yard. So he starts thinking, what do we do? You know, they've done Centronella candles, they've done everything. And he comes up with this process of spraying the, the mosquitoes stuff on the undersides of the tree like he researches mosquitoes he does everything to learn how to protect his daughter from mosquitoes and that's where the company came from wow so and he's a, i mean he's just a great guy so yeah rah 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 we're let's, gonna do let's a buy, mosquito you know, authority franchise the jackson tennessee franchise is still available you can do that or there was a knoxville there was a um a franchise available in knoxville at the time and so my husband and I were looking at it and thinking we could totally do this we love East Tennessee we could do Knoxville we had the non-disclosure agreement and everything we were in that 14 day period oh wow we're looking at becoming the next mosquito I mean we've met with we've met with them they came went to dinner with us told us about how great it was how much money we're gonna make I probably would be making a lot more money (laughs) (laughs) but um, 14 days, I think we were probably on day 12 and we'd been talking, you know, are we going to sign this, taking the next step? What are we doing? Which one are we getting? Um, you know, do we want Jackson? Do we want Knoxville? What do we want to do? How are we going to make this work? And we get up to take, we're going to take our son Thomas to the discovery park in Union City, Tennessee. And my husband says, I don't know. I just keep thinking about this. Do you really want to kill mosquitoes? Because it's going to be me. I mean, he has a full-time job. He is so a... you'd be the one out there with the backpack yeah, spraying. Yeah, so I'm going to be the one building the company yeah. from the bottom. You know, I mean, I'm certified. I can do it. Sure. Like, 
not like I haven't done it. You know, he's like, you really want to kill mosquitoes for the rest of your life? What about all of your education? What about all the, what about your degree and all the time you've spent learning how to be a teacher? You just want to leave all of that behind and kill mosquitoes. So we get in the car, we drive to Union City and I get out my phone and start searching franchises. You know, what are some other things I could do? And we find um, Challenge Island. Have you ever heard of it? No, no clue. So Challenge Island is a franchise out of Atlanta, a former teacher created. It's basically an after-school program um, where you go into the schools. It a lot like what the Quest Center does. You know how he goes into schools and offers programming. Mm-hmm. A lot like that, like she, but she would sell her after school program to these schools and she had come up with a formula and business model and everything. So I read about it and it sounds really good. Like I could do this because my husband was like, what about a tutoring? I'm like, I am not going to tutor people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not tutoring. Not today. Nope. 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 (laughs) I know what that. Anyway, so I wasn't going to tutor, but this sounded like fun. Like this is the fun part of teaching. This is the getting kids to think, letting them, you know, hands on doing the, the really fun thing. So we go to Nashville to this franchise, ex, you know, thing. We go and meet with the CEO and she tells us all about Challenge Island and how great it is. And I'm all pumped up. We leave. I'm like, I think we can do this. This would be great. You know, I've got contacts in the schools. This, this is fantastic. She sends us the non-disclosure and she sends us the lesson plans and like this is what you have to do and I read the lesson plan in bed one night and I was like there's no way I can do this Mm. and my husband's like what and I was like this lesson plan is crap Mm. like and I I can't disclose because sure (laughs) but I was like you mm." it reminded me of when you oversimplify something for younger kids, and then, I mean, when I taught fifth grade, this would happen all the time. Kids would come to me and say, but you can't start a sentence with the word because. Mm. Actually, you can. You just have to do it right, you know. But they had been taught you can't. So then you have to unteach that. Mm. So that was kind of what I was seeing in these lesson plans was, a lot of oversimplification of big concepts. Okay. That, you know, it was a, a STEAM, STEM, STEAM program. And my husband's a chemical engineer. And we looked at it and we're like, you can't simplify some things. They're you, too complicated to simplify. Right. And, you, and this isn't going to help. I mean, you're selling this as I'm going to help kids down the science track. But that's not science, mm. you know, that's just not science. Sure. So, so then decide we'll just start our own company. Rah, rah. <laughs> rah, rah. <laughs> I can write lesson plans. <laughs> I'll do all the things I loved doing as a teacher and bring them to my own, you know, we'll put it all together. It was going to be the bright spot. It's one of these days we're still going to have a bright spot. At Reading Rock Books. Oh, there we go. Um, but that's where I was. And I went into the store because Laura and I were friends. I had shopped there for years. 
And I went in to find out if she had space upstairs that I could rent mm. for my, for the bright spot. And we had talked to, you know, we started talking about it. Well, one day I, I had met with Ron Runyon and was looking at space at, at uh, Mulberry, Mulberry Mill and had a spot picked out at Mulberry Mill. He and I talked and he was like, oh yeah, we could build this out. I told him, you know, my my plan, my business plan, and was looking, trying to find out, okay, what are the numbers? How much is this going to cost me to rent this? How many kids am I going to have to have in the program? Do a summer camp program? And I was looking at the numbers and thought, I could probably work this out, but it's going to be stressful. Like, because if you don't hit this many students, you've already signed a lease Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be that stressed teacher who can't have fun because... (laughs) There are only 10 of you here this week. <laughs> bring your friends. <laughs> bring your friends. Yeah, I don't want to have to do all of that. So I went to Laura to find out if she had a space upstairs that I might might be a little more affordable. And when I asked her, she looked at me and said, why don't you buy the bookstore? Hmm. And then you could do all that stuff here. And when she told me that... I had another one of those little split second memory moments of myself sitting in the the um, dorm lobby at Ellington Hall at UT Martin in one of those moments when I was trying to figure out what my major should be. I'm talking to my friend Charlie and he says, Angela, I mean, and I could see it as clear as day in my mind. He says, Angela, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, I would own a bookstore on Main Street. Hmm. Wow. I love that. And I mean, she said that to me and I saw that and it was like. Twilight Zone almost. Twi- yeah. It was yeah. like a Twilight Zone moment. Like, okay. This is happening. This is happening. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I make this happen? Because in all these conversations Bill and I had been having, the one thing he kept saying is, no matter what we do. I don't want a business that has a lot of inventory. Hmm. <laughs> so let's buy a business with a lot so of inventory. Let's buy a Duh. bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I had that moment of, oh, wow, this is a God thing. Like, this is going to happen. And then I had a, how am I going to convince Bill that this is a good idea? <laughs> These like, books aren't inventory. They're not inventory. They're assets. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how do you do that? Um, I went and I called, like I knew in the moment, like this is meant to be like, I have to figure out how, how to make this happen. Like this is totally meant to be. Laura and I had a conversation and she had the same thing from her side. Like she, she had a, this is who you sell it to, to moment. Mm -hmm. Like, did she start that from the ground up? She did. Okay. She did. And and she, I mean, amazing. I can't say enough for for what she did to build Reading Rock Books to where it was when I when I came in and she sold it to me. Like I she said at that time that God told her she built it for me. And I fully believe that. That's crazy. You know, and, and there are a lot of, of things that that went on and it took us a long time to get through the, the process. And it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. Um, I hope she still feels like she was meant to sell it to me. 
um, she moved to Texas. So we don't talk. I mean, there's no, you know, but we just don't have, I don't have the opportunity to talk to her as much. I know it was hard for her to sell. I mean, it was like her baby, her baby, you know. Um, and for a long time, it was hard for me because I knew it was her baby. And every time I'd change something, it's like, oh, Laura's going to not like that, you know, kind of. Sure. Um, so it was it was a little it was a little awkward there. But we both went into it knowing this is meant to happen. Um, and for Bill to, like, get on board with it was was another one of those. Sure. Wow. <laughs> the conversation go OK with him. Obviously, it did. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a long process. But I, I mean, even the initial when I told him, he wasn't like, there's no way we're doing that. Like he never like I think he knew, too, this was this is where we're supposed to be. This is what's supposed to happen. I mean, there are a lot of times I don't run the business like he would. Sure. But he just kind of, you know, he he's supportive in his own way. You know, cool. you don't see him in the store all the time, but because he says it's your bookstore. Yeah. You know, but I couldn't do it without him. Well, so so you bought it, and so you started it. putting your own spin on things. Um, what uh, obviously you're in a little bit of a challenging environment, um, given some other players, not necessarily in town, but just globally um you know what are some things i guess that you're doing at the bookstore and obviously i'm a huge supporter of you and uh i I don't even want to know how much money i've spent there um but what are i guess what are what are some little niche things that that you're doing to to combat you know the amazons or, or whatever else it may be um you know dixon is a huge buy local be local so you couldn't have picked you know a better main street uh, just plant your, you know, or I guess jump into the roots that have been planted. Um, you know, there's a very supportive environment, but what are some, what are some things you're doing to kind of stay ahead of the game? Well, we, we were talking about this this morning. We had a team meeting and the thing is we don't sell books. I mean, we do, Mm -hmm. we sell books, but really we're selling an experience. When you walk in our store, it's an experience. Um, you have a personal bookseller if you want it. Now, some people don't really want that. But for those who do, we are creating that experience for you. Um, we want to get to know our customers. Like, I don't know. There are times when I'm looking at catalogs and I'm like, oh, Michael Shepard would like this book. Mm-hmm. You know, there might have been a few times when I've sent you a absolutely a text or something i try not to hound people you know because i'm not i appreciate it because every but, time i walk in you're like oh wait hold on here's another book I'm like just throw it in there we'll do it and i yeah. do i mean and they're great books i mean i yeah. blow through them every month that's what i try to do it's it's just like what i tried to do with my eighth grade classroom when i was teaching literature and teaching reading to eighth graders again it's public school a lot of those kids don't want to read they sure. don't think they want to read um, a lot of them have never read an entire book. Hmm. They're in eighth grade and they've never read a book from cover to cover. Well, um, I know because we did surveys at the beginning of the year to find that out. And I felt like it was my goal to put the right book in each child's hand cool. to create an environment where we could come together around books and literature. And I mean, it's just amazing the, what literature can do for people and how it can bring people together. Um, 
So we try to create that in our store. You know, we have every, every, every extreme of customer who comes mm-hmm. in. And From the crazy people like me to the people that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but, <laughs> but for me, our, I mean, books are for everyone. Sure. And I fully believe that we were commanded by Christ to love one another. You know, that's the one thing he said to do. So when I hear that, I think I'm supposed to love one another. Every person who walks in my bookstore, I'm just called to love them. I, it's not on me to judge them or what they read or, you know, what books they want. I'm just here to love them. That's and, it, and help them. And create an environment where they feel important, they feel loved, they feel welcome. And so I love it when people come in and say, your store is so welcoming because that's what we're trying to create. A welcoming place where people can come. We can talk about books. Um, If you are a reader, we can talk about the books you've read. If you're not, we can help you find a book that might be the right book for you, you know. And that's how I talk to my team. Like I tell my team, you have to be careful. You can't, your, your salespeople, your booksellers, but we can't just be about selling a book mm-hmm. because if you put the wrong book in somebody's hands, they're not going to come back. Sure. They're going to think you don't, you don't get it. So I'd rather you not sell them the, or not sell them a book than sell them the wrong book. Yeah. Um, we can't just sell the book because it's the one that Penguin Random House is pushing. Now, if Penguin Random House is pushing it, we want to have it because they're advertising for us. Yeah. So we need to have it on the table. But just because they say it's the book everybody should read doesn't mean it's the book that everybody in Dixon should read. Yeah. And you have to know the books and know the people to figure that out. There was a line. Um, have you you've seen um, Have you seen the Peter Rabbit movie? Yes. Okay. So you know I when love. they're in the little picnic playing the bananas game or whatever it is, and uh, he asks him, or she asks him, uh, you know, what what's your what do you love about life besides being, you know, overly organized? Uh, and he said, I enjoy uh, giving people what they want, even if they don't know they want it. Yes. You know, and I, that hit me too. I mean, it's such, it's a kid's movie. It's a fantastic movie. It just came out with the second one, by the way. But um, that line to me, I really internalized that as well yeah. too, is just knowing people or at least being able to ask a couple of questions and then being like, boom, all right, let's, yeah. let's give this a try. I think this will fit. That's yeah. an awesome, awesome way to run a business, you know, especially because um, you allow people the right to reserve to be surprised about things. They they may be a little uncertain, but, you know, they're trusting your advice, you know, given yeah. the information they gave you. Here's a book. Let's see if it fits. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. So that's what that's what we do. Different, cool. you know. I mean, Amazon will recommend books based on other books, but... It's not the same as having a person. It's not a personal touch. Personal to it. touch, and and I mean, and we haven't read every book in sure. the store. Um, I've read about all the books. I've, it's amazing to me how much work goes into curating the selection mm-hmm. and knowing what I want to bring in and what I don't. And not not that I oh, I mean, there are some things that that I order just because. Well, I know Reese is gonna this is going to be a book club pick for her. So I don't, I'm not, I don't even have to read it. Like, sure. I don't know what's in it. Reese, Reese read it and 
It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah. You know, and there, there are some of those that I haven't read that I just order based on other things, but, but I do look for books that have the hope and light that are, that aren't filled with hatred and, you know, um, that's what I try to bring in. It takes a lot of work Mm. to curate that selection and to find things that I know are going to, you know, I'm looking through the catalog that has 800 books in it for one, just one imprint. Sure. And I'm like, Oh look, there's one that Michael Shepard might like (laughs) get that one or, or what I mean. And you do, you think about your, who's going to read them and who's, who might want those. And then also thinking about our community Mm. and you know, we're the, the, bookstore for the community and and that's an important task i think for me Mm -hmm. i take that very seriously i can tell um you know i mean you just remodeled the store and um not that it was not aesthetically pleasing in in the first place but you took it to a whole new level and um you know the the checkout counter on the on the left you know is now kind of raised a little bit so it adds a little bit of necessary authority but it really does kind of help put the whole thing together and I'm sure it cleared up some space for you to do some other things as well too. And, um, you know, just big shout out to you as well, as far as, uh, really doing a great job with that store. I mean, I, I get on Amazon to find the book and then I screenshot it and send you the picture. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. And they have a great and, search engine. Yeah, they do. They do <laughs> yeah. have a great search engine. And then, uh, your lovely employees, uh, will text me and say, Hey, your book's ready, you know, and then you just swing by and, and, and pick it up and, um, you know, you've got more than just books too. You've got, uh, cool shirts and, and kids toys and notebooks as well too. And chocolate candies and coffees. Yeah. Hey, we I have guess. new caramels now. That's what I'm talking about. That you're going to love. I just realized, wait, those are perfect <laughs> those are for Michael, Michael Shepard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, uh, we now have the, um, all of, not all of Yeah. All of Sinclair duck fat caramels. Oh, cool. Have you tried those? No. Oh, that sounds awesome. You know, they, they were, um, created in a duck blind. How about it? So now we're talking, I will definitely have to come by and get some of those. You'll have to come get them. They're really tasty. Wow. So, uh, do you have any that you can divulge anything? Maybe that's the next step for the bookstore. Um, just keep building community, bringing people together. Cool. Um, keep trying to do what we're doing even better we have we um one of the things that i always love to do as a teacher is bringing not that i ever was able to really do it very well but bringing authors and readers together Mm. you know if i could create a connection and help the kids understand who the author was and why they wrote the book there's just something magical there that happens um, to like help them understand that it was written by a person just like you. They're mm-hmm. just another human with a message to put out into the world and um, and c- creating that connection um, and inspiring kids to write and tell their own stories and things. Um, so one of the big things we try to do at the bookstore is bring readers and writers together, support our local authors, and also would love to bring in authors that aren't as local, um, we are very blessed in Tennessee. We have some great Tennessee authors. Jeff Zentner has been in the store. We've mm. done some 
events with him. He's a um, award-winning YA author who lives in Nashville. Um, Carolyn Dubois has written uh, several um, novel and verse books. She lives in Nashville, and we're planning some events with her, bringing in some of those authors, but continuing to build that program so that, you know, one of these days, I don't know who we might have hosting here at the library or somewhere that that we're you know having big time big time authors come it's good for social media presence you know to get you a lot of recognition doing it that way as well too and yeah it's nice to have that personal touch because of all the books that i read um very rarely besides uh don miguel maurice uh i don't really say i don't follow authors but and jordan peterson as well too but um you know, it's nice to to be able to read the book and you can kind of get a feel, but then to just to meet that person, um, you yeah. know, face to face just adds a whole new level to it and great photo ops and it introduces them and then they go back and, you know, yeah. share their story on that so as well. Jordan too. Peterson, we'll just say it. We'll have him here sometime. Oh God, if you could wouldn't do that, that be great? I, would be, I would camp out in front of your I, store. I don't know. Even I'm though still, the line may not be that long, I'm still camping I'm when still he shows up. I'm still working on that whole learning how to <laughs> to get these big name authors to Dixon. But I do think that that is one of the things that I um, am working on improving our event programming. Cool. Getting some cool events and, and getting back to the bright spot idea. You know, doing some writing camps for kids. Doing some reading and writing camps. Um and workshops and things so that okay. kids can come in and um, I don't know. I don't know where all that will go. Maybe do a, uh, I have this one dream of having a, um, being able to take kids to the archives in Charlotte. Oh, cool. And do like a young historian camp. Cool. Where they're actually writing, you know, looking at local history and writing an article you know maybe have the um get the dixon genealogical and historical society, society yeah. involved and, and justin spurlock probably as yeah, well too and, and fall in love with that oh yeah yeah and so have you know have actually publish a book have the kids publish something cool. that has dixon history in it so we're holding on to that and keeping our you know as new people move into our community um yeah, I, I'm so glad they're moving here. Let's welcome the, them with open arms. But also, how can we educate them of where we came from? Like, what is this community about? And how do we hold on to those things that are important about our past? Mm. Um, we don't want to hold on to the the bad stuff. Sure. But we do want to hold on to our values and and the good things that we bring forward into what we're doing now, you know. Like so many people, and Chris Gad with naming his uh, place the Furnace Brewery mm-hmm. because of the furnaces that were here, you know, and just those those nods toward our history, I think are so important to help let people know who may be moving here from New York or California. Like this is where we came from, yep. and we want you here. You're welcome here, but. You have to know where we came from, too. Yeah, and it keeps so. the puzzle pieces together. You know, yeah. just like you said, those little nods right there are just so uh, so special, especially, I mean, especially Furnace as well, too. I mean, that's how Dixon County started. Yeah. Um, so, um, okay, so I guess outside the bookstore, um, you are pretty involved uh, in the community as well, too, sit on some boards and 
um, have sat on some boards previously. I know you were um, president of the leadership board prior to me taking over. Um, what a wonderful program that was, oh, or still is. I it mean, it's still is. It's a and fantastic going. program, and uh, what a blessing. I mean, I probably wouldn't own a bookstore if I hadn't gone through leadership Dixon County. That's so. Corey I mean, Albert said, you know, he, he attributes to that for him being the president of the chamber, you know, and um, same for me. I, you know, I was working at Dixon Insurance when I, st- when I did it, but, uh, you know, my network was slim to none at that point, and getting on leadership was the, the number one thing that kind of skyrocketed me really not only getting involved in Dixon, but, but wanting to get involved in Dixon. It wasn't just like I fell into some things. There was, you know, you really learned how things work. And if you vibe with something going on in the county, then all it does is take, you know, approach somebody about, hey, I'd like to help out or I'd like to play a role here or whatever it may be. And they'll find you a spot and keep on moving. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think it's, um, it's such a valuable program. I think I wish everybody could go through yeah. leadership Dixon County. Everybody, everybody should be able to, to do that. If there was a, um, if, and not to get onto any negatives, but there are some people in Dixon, I think, who feel like that there are people making decisions mm-hmm. behind closed doors and they're trying to keep people out. And you know, and that's just not true. Sure. You know, I mean, are there decisions that are made behind closed doors? There has to be. There sometimes. has to be. Yeah. There, there just has to be. But... I, we have such great leadership in this county, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to have the opportunity to meet some of those people, to listen to them, to hear their, you know, what's going on with the education system and, and to really learn the history and the different, like each, each of those classes is so important um, to learn about our community and to see kind of behind the curtain, like what's going on and get to know those people and find out. It's not that they, they, they're friendly. They're great people. Mm -hmm. They would sit down and have a conversation with you just like they will anybody else. Um, Go talk to them. You know, I can't, I I wish I could just, when people start complaining about things, have you called that person? Yeah. You know, have you done anything other than sit on hip Dixon and. Yeah, well, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't <coughs> that's, gonna that's mention. The spot. Oh, it's been where, mentioned before, and it'll be mentioned again. That is the demise of this county for the yes. most part, and people can't seem to be nice. So they um, can't seem to be nice, and they can't seem to understand that the people they're talking about, though, they're human beings too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they go home to their family every night, and they're doing the best they can. Yep, we're all human. We're all human. Let's just be kind to yeah. each other. You know, and leadership Dixon County, I think, is a great opportunity to learn. I mean, even me growing up here, I felt like going into that class that there were some things. I mean, you you have you either you go through life with either a victim or a victor mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time. And if you allow yourself to be a victim and think, well, they're never going to let me do this or you know, this isn't going to happen or they, that that's where you're going to be, you know, in that spot, you're going to be stuck in that spot. And to be able to have the opportunity to find out that they're just as human as I am. I can go talk to them whenever I want to. They're not making decisions because they don't like me. (laughs) 
and I'm their victim, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it was just a great opportunity. Yeah. I, I feel like I've rambled way too long about this. It's a great program. It, no, everybody should do I, I want to do a podcast that hopefully maybe could be like a short promo thing for leadership with somebody uh, and just really talk specifically about the program. I really think that would be beneficial in a, in a good promo. Not that, I mean, hell, we had more applicants th- this past year um, than we've ever had. And we've got more money coming in from uh, alumni. We've got more alumni participation. I mean, it's it's going, it's kind of doing a DDA type transition or it did. It was prior to that as far as like alumni participation being low and applications being low. But I think we had like 40 or 50 applications this year, which is huge. I mean, that's it's almost fantastic. middle Tennessee uh, leadership numbers right there. And then the alumni uh, almost doubled uh, as far as paying alumni. Uh, so, uh, you know, I really see it growing into into something super special. And there's been some tweaks made that, that made it that special as well, too. So um, it's, it's so exciting to see it is. where it's going. And I know um, Brandon, Brandon is a great customer of mine, although COVID has um, we haven't seen him in a while okay like, I'm, i've been a little worried about him but you should text him a, a book recommendation i we i have i've done that a few okay. times he's like yeah I do. yeah but anyway he i know he's done y'all have done a lot of work and there have been some changes and and you've taken the opportunity that covid provided to kind of build things from where they were and i i'm excited to see where where yeah. leadership applications are coming out going. i think next month i think they just had the facilitators meeting so uh, that should be coming out soon. Um, you are also on the uh, tourism committee, though, too, right? I am on the tourism cool. committee. Yes. Need to build that up a little bit. I know it's it's with the way it, Dixon is growing right now. I think it is absolutely vital to have a strong tourism board. So I've I've been to I guess two meetings so far since I've joined. Um, the people on the board now are awesome. I think there's a represent- representative from the Promised Land and then Zach from the Clement Railroad Museum. And then, of course, uh, Jessica uh, is the chairman. And then there's you and me. And I, I've seen a list of some other people well, that are on there. We have quite a few um, venues <laughs> in town. Um, and I hate to start listing them because I know I'll forget somebody. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but there are... Um, if I remember right, several of those business owners are on that committee as well. Because if you think about it, they're bringing people in yep. for these destination weddings or weddings. Like, it's amazing to me how far people will come to get married in a barn. Mm-hmm. But we have some of the best barns the in the country. Of the yeah. We do. <laughs> um, I was at a wedding in Kentucky over the weekend, and it was fantastic. Um, but I was sitting there, sadly, I was sitting there looking. I was like, wow, you know, Cactus Creek. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so much nicer than this. You know, like um, those venues just you, keep popping up. And they seems. do. And yeah. they're they're beautiful. And, um, and I mean, being this have, close to Nashville, I mean, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. So that that is a a tourism they're bringing people in and those people are spending money in our community when they're here. So, um, so there are several of the, the, those business owners on that committee, um, or on that, I guess it's a committee, not a board. Um, 
I can't remember who else, but speaking of the Clement Railroad Hotel Museum oh, yeah. and yeah. Zach, they have a big event coming up this weekend, the Juneteenth event. Um, I'm really super excited about Zach. Have you interviewed him yet? Because you yet. should. Yeah, no, I'll definitely. Um, he's on the list for sure. If you haven't been to the Clement <clears throat> Railroad Hotel Museum since he has been hired, you need to get off your butt and go because yeah. he is amazing. Like, I'm pretty certain he probably has some kind of photographic memory he the the tour like he's rewritten the script for the tour through the museum um it's a civil right that he's applied for uh he had talked about this at the tourism committee meeting um we are soon to be i think it was approved by the state if i remember right a civil rights site in yep. tennessee which i think it's only one of four it's one in the whole state is it going to be the fourth or one or the, the fifth. fifth one yeah it's still low single digits or maybe, yeah low know. single digits and we're talking about like we're going to be on this <clears throat> list with um is it the lorraine hotel mm-hmm. in memphis mm-hmm. i mean big time stuff it's a huge attribute like it's to a huge attribute to dixon so i mean while we've we want to continue to to look at the Clement family and the history that's there and that it's a, a train museum. He has come into that museum and pulled that thread of civil rights through every display. I was, wow. Uh, he is phenomenal. Like it amazed me. The, Sounds like I need to gear up and get you another need tour. to go and do the tour again. Like he's rewritten the script that the docents use. They're mm. working on the history and, and like really, I mean, I worked at the museum, another one of my many jobs, (laughs) and I love the museum. I loved it when I worked there. I fell in love with the building. I fell in love with the history. I fell in love with everything that the state of Tennessee did and put in place there for those rooms, Um, but he is bringing life back into that building. That's awesome. Not that that sounds like I thought it wasn't there, but... Sometimes things can be background noise and they can get shaken up. And uh, that is definitely a building that needs to be highlighted and preserved. And um, and the history. A lot of foot traffic needs to go through there. I mean, it's just a, it's a fantastic history. Yeah. I mean, Everybody who has moved to Dixon County mm-hmm. in the last two or three years, because we've had a ton of them, of a ton of y'all. A ton of y'all have yeah. moved here. Yeah. Yeah. And we love all of you. But go take a tour of the Clement Railroad Hotel Museum. Yeah. And learn some of the history of our community and the civil rights movement in Tennessee and in our community. It, it, and listen to what Zach has to has to say. And everybody who has lived here their entire life and has never been to the Clement Railroad Hotel Museum, get off your butts and go. Yeah. Go and this weekend you can get in for free because the NAACP mm-hmm. is doing this Juneteenth event. It's a multicultural, um, multi multiculturalism event. It's free to anyone. It's from nine a.m. to two p.m. Come and celebrate civil rights and Juneteenth and all the things that are fantastic about our community at the Clement Railroad Hotel free Museum. Event. How about we that for that. a commercial for my favorite museum? Uh, very well said. Very well said. And uh, while you're downtown, stop yeah. in and pick up a book. And get a book. That's exactly yeah. right. And then you can take that book to Furnace and read it and order a pizza and go pick it up. And at Xander's. At Xander's. I and mean, you're just 
You're that's a that's a day right there. It is. That's a full day of, of funness. It's a full day of fun. I mean, <laughs> you can have breakfast at House Blend. Yes. Lunch at one of many yes. lunch spots, depending on your taste. Yeah. You want barbecue, you want pizza, yep. you want a great burger, you want to go a little more fancy. Yeah. You know, you, you can do, can do you it all. Do. You exactly. do whatever you want to do. If you just want to have a glass of wine at lunch sure. and maybe a bowl of pasta. Bowl of pasta. Yeah. You can do that too. I still haven't been to uh, House of Vines. I mean, I've been. But I have not eaten there. And every time I try to go, it's just slam-packed. So yeah. I think I need... That's a good sign. Uh, I just may need to pick a different time. Do you like Alfredo? Mm-hmm. Oh, my Is it gosh. so good? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it'll it. be enough for you to eat that night and the next day, too. Perfect. It's just as good the second day. Delicious. Cool. Um, I went I went to school with the person who cooks that. And, man, she oh can she Oh, boy. Cook. Yep. You need to have her. You want just... a story about Tawana? Sure. You should have Tawana. You should she, have Tawana. I've had a couple of people tell me that, and I've reached out to her about going to lunch and just kind of talking, because I don't know her at all. I've met her in passing a couple of times, but um, we interact on Facebook every now and then, But and she seems very bright. Uh, oh, she so is, yeah, she we're, is we're bright and amazing, day. which I always laugh, because you know, when I moved here in first grade, um, there used to be these big, huge bushes in front of the, the school building over at the old Oakmont and we'd get yelled at cause we'd go and run behind them and mm. like hide behind them. And the teachers didn't want us back there. But Tawana Turner would chase you behind those bushes <laughs> and kick you. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't like me, but she didn't like me. And, and I always thought it was just me, but at our like 10 year reunion, I'm telling this story and everybody's like, she did that to oh me too. <laughs> She's the, the town kicker. She was the town bully. The town she was so mean when she was little, but but she's. I guess she's nice now. She's though. completely the opposite of that now. That's now so awesome. she just wants to hug you and and love on you. She's so cool. she's so bright and beautiful and wonderful, and she cooks amazing food. Her desserts are to die for. So, if you haven't been to House of Vines, you should go. I may have to just pick like a two o'clock on a, like a Wednesday or something when the crowd kind of dies down a little with bit. You. Let's do that. Let's do it. I they have great salads that. too. Wow. Yeah. You just have to get a buffet okay, of food. So we're still going through the day. So you can have yeah. your lunch. Then you can go do a little more shopping. Yeah. And when you get tired, you go to Furnace or House of Brews or. Go to Furnace and then House of Brews. Whatever you want to do. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do. There's so many things you can get in downtown Dixon. And there's more to come, too. And, yeah. Um, The Mulberry Lanes being, is now about to be fully occupied. The post office is under remodel, so. I heard we're getting a pie shop, like a deli. Um, I think I heard that on this podcast. I think, it's kind of, it's it's like a Middle Eastern twist bakery. Bakery, sorts. yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, uh, I think that's what what one of them is, and then there's a couple other that are going to be a good fit right there. So, um, we both know the Dixon's heading in an incredible direction, and um, oh, know, and if are, you are, don't want to eat heavy foods, hmm. you can have an all juice diet too. Oh yeah, because be we have the Be Good Juice Company. I've not which... been there yet either. <sighs> what yeah. time is it? Yeah, I might go there. I'm, I may go there this afternoon. I need to go stop in. Yeah, and see them. So, um, well, I think we both know Dixon is is going in a very positive direction, and um, great people, great leadership, great businesses. Um, so we're kind of we're at an hour and a half right now. Uh, so and nobody really wants to listen to all this rambling. Uh, no, that I've well, done. see, here's what I do: is I just sit down and I record, and then uh, I release the whole episode 
but I'll uh, like like you know I'll I'll cut up like I've been making little notes here about little things we've been talking about in the time that we talked about it. So I can just go back and I'll cut up little clips and those tend to get. My, I was looking yesterday at my so as of now, um, we have had uh, twenty five hundred views on my videos across all platforms. How about that? That's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, it was blew my mind. I was not ready. Actually, it's twenty eight hundred. Because uh, I told myself I would monetize it at a thousand, and I attempted that, um, and it didn't really work out the way I wanted to. And the ways that I could do it, I don't want to, because I have to advertise like my platform companies and stuff, and I they pay like fifty cents, you know, per thousand listens. So it's it's not, you know. So anyway, um, I think I've got something structured now uh, with some people, which I can talk to you about if you'd like. But um, so. Uh, we'll get into kind of how we um, finish this thing with some questions that I know you've been somewhat preparing for, I guess. And I've added one in there. It's not a loop. It, oh, should, it, no. should, it should be an easy one. So um, I'll That's what I get for telling you I was preparing. That's okay. I, nobody gets by without these I'm questions. Really, I really yeah. don't And I've gone through answers. and I've answered them, most of them myself. Um, I like to listen to other people's answers because it gives me inspiration. But... Um, uh, Okay, we'll do the first one. Um, well, I'll do one that should be hopefully somewhat easy. Uh, if you could recommend three books for people to have or to have read in their whole life, what would you think? Michael. Just three books. It's simple. Well, first of all, everybody should read more than three books. I understood. But if you're going to read okay. a whole list of books, if you could narrow it down to like, you gotta just get these under your belt. You know what would they be? We'll see. There's. Don't you beat around the bush here? You know you beat around it the bush. It depends on the person. It really does. But everybody should read the Bible. Okay, that's a good. I one. don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian. That's a good one. You should read the Bible. Yep. Um, I'm working on reading through it uh, chronologically, and it's amazing to me the difference it makes when you read it chronologically mm. i think everybody should do that at least once in their life okay read the bible chronologically from so you're not reading from front to back but you're reading the way it happened in time um so everybody should do that the boy the mole the fox and the horse oh yeah which you brought me today thank you very much is can't a wait to dive into this one book that i mean you can read it it's a quick read it's one that you want to have available. Um, it's very Winnie the Pooh-esque, I would say, if you read Winnie the Pooh when you were younger, like yep. I did. Um, in fact, I sent it to my cousin as a thank you gift because I went and visited them, and she called yesterday, or my cousin's wife called, and she was like, I love this book. It is so beautiful. It's It reminds me of Winnie the Pooh, and I was like, exactly. But it's one of those books that... If you're having a bad day, you can pick it up and open it up to a page, and it'll brighten your day. I like the um, I like the way it's written too. It's what is like it's handwritten in calligraphy almost. But yes. Not. Cool, and the illustration is great as well. The, well, he's a he's an illustrator. He's a uh, designer. He's a he's an artist. He's not. I mean, they interviewed him on. Oh, Good Morning America or something. And okay. it's just about if you can search, find him, look him up. It's Charlie um, Mac Mackey. 
Okay. Or Mackesy. Mackesy. Mackesy, yeah. Look him up and watch that interview and you'll know that everybody should read this book. I mean, it's just every, I, I've been telling everybody, every house in Dixon should have this book. Okay. (laughs) If you're a realtor. (laughs) (laughs) Read this book. I can, I can make you an offer on, you know, how to get this book into all those homes. People who are buying, you know, like housewarming gift. Housewarming gift. It's, it's fantastic. And it comes in two colors now. So you can fit it in almost any decor. Um, I mean, it's just a great little book that everybody should have. So that's my second one. And I, the third one, I, I don't know. I think finding the right book for each person is different. Mm. Um, what is, what is a book that I, that meant a lot to me may mean nothing to you. Sure. You know, um, there's one that both of us have read that we've talked about before. You uh, mentioned Don Miguel Louise mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, the Four Agreements is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't recommend it to everybody who walks yeah. in. I mean, that's one of the conversations we have at the store a lot is you can't recommend the same book to every customer. Yeah. Because what works for one person may not work for another. Yeah. But those two are books that I would give to anybody. Cool. I can't think of a third one right now. Yeah, that Four Agreements is, uh, of all the, I don't even really self-help books, they're, they're more than that, but that laid a great foundation for me as far as just how to think about things and how you act as a person. Yep. Um, what is the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? Okay, so I did think about this one. Okay. Like, I've gotten lots of pieces of advice, but um, when I bought the store, it was a little overwhelming. Because I bought a business that had been in business for 10 years. I've never owned a retail store before. And we were busy. Like, when I bought the store, there were periods of time when you could get things done because you didn't have a customer in the store. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the store... And our community is amazing. My friends and family are amazing. I, I mean, the people who are moving here are amazing. It's amazing how many people shop in my store. And I started feeling very overwhelmed because we were busy. And there's this local author. We did her book launch event. She moved here from Louisiana She's amazing. She's probably one of the most poised people I've ever met. Mm. Um, one month in, she'll, she tells people, one month into you owning the store, she walked in and wanted to know if I would do a book launch event for her. Maybe she emailed me first. I don't know. And, of course, because I had this goal of doing author events, I said yes. Did I know what I was doing? No. no. <laughs> Did I tell her that? No. <laughs> But we set up and we do her book launch. Um, And it was great. It was fantastic. It was after that that she was like, wait, you've only owned the store for a month? (laughs) I wouldn't have guessed. But she became, I mean, she's like, she's my, she's our author. She's, she, she went, I took her to Southern Festival of Books. She sold books there. I mean, she's, she's fantastic. She has this great kids book um, from A to Zoot. If you need a book for children that's character building she was a judge she was a teacher then she was a lawyer and she was a judge Mm. uh supreme court 
judge in the state of Louisiana. Wow. She's amazing. Again, one of the most poised people I've ever met. She walks in the store one day and she's like, how's it going? And I was like, we've been busy. And it was one of those days that you've seen me when I'm like frazzled. I try not to be, but... (laughs) Um, and she, she, I said, we've been busy or something. And I said, too busy. And she says, stop. Do not say that. You own a business. You want to be busy. Mm -hmm. If you put that out into the universe Mm -hmm. that you're too busy. Karma. Yeah. Universe will respond. The universe will respond. And what you want to be is busy. Mm -hmm. You need to pray for the grace to handle it. Mm, that's nice. I like that. I did too. Yeah. So I started praying for grace and I stopped saying that I'm too busy mm. because she's right. If you're not busy in business, you're not going to be in business for very long. Right. So, so that's the best advice I think I have, especially since buying a bookstore. That's the best business advice that I've well. been given. I'm sure that helped was, out quite a bit as well, too. Yeah. Because every time you get busy, you're like, oh, hold on a minute. Hold on. This is good stuff here. Yeah. This is and good stuff. This is what I want. Yep. I want to be this busy. <laughs> Lord, give me some grace. How do I handle this? I can like, sleep later. I, yeah. Like, how do I not look so frazzled? <laughs> give me grace. I want to be like, and I think about her because she is so poised. And yeah. I think, okay, I stand a little taller when I think about it. And I think, okay, I can handle this. God's not going to give me anything I can't. Yeah. handle and handle with grace and move forward and that was one of jordan you know. peterson's chapters in his first book or second book after maps meeting was uh stand tall with your shoulders back you know yeah. that just helps out significantly with a lot of things in life just your poise um yeah. all right last question three words that describe you what is it i don't know yes you do no i don't <laughs> you do no i don't can i read you the ones my husband gave yeah, me yeah i would love that I can't read all of them. <laughs> Could write a book with them. Um, okay, I did. I started asking everybody, like, "What are th- when I?" <laughs> You've like, done some real like, footwork on this. Michael's one. gonna ask me, "What are three <laughs> words?" What I don't know. How do other people see me? I mean, I would like to say that I'm kind and and caring and passionate and all those things, but I really, I and that's what Bill is like. Well, you're supposed to. To you come up with them. I was like, but I want to know what other people see mm-hmm. in me. So, Michael, what are three words that you would use to describe me? You want me to tell you? Yeah. Okay. Um, caring, which is highlighted throughout this uh, podcast with you um, helping people find things that they want, even though they don't know they want it. Uh, hardworking, obviously, because what you're doing now is... Um, not easy, but being busy is a good thing. Um, and I'm trying to think of, I've got an idea in my head, but a, a word to put my finger on it. Um, creative. That's it. That's a good one. Creative. Yeah, you just come up with some really neat ideas. And um, obviously, being a business owner, you have to be creative uh, uh, in order to make things work, you know, especially with the competition you've got out there. You've got to be. Um, do things a little differently uh, than than most people, and you can't just have a box store with books in it because people would be lost. So right. you've got to be creative in your approach on how to um, get the clients in the funnel 
and then have them funnel down to eventually purchasing right. a book, if not multiple. And to get people to say, I need a book. Don't call Amazon. Call sure. Angela. Yeah. See, and that's a little cat. You should make t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. The other A. The other <laughs> The other the A. Other a. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like those. Those are good. Okay. Yeah. Right off the... Do you, right want, off the... Do you want me to read the ones that my husband said? Sure. Um, I'm going to narrow it down to the ones that don't, you know. He says I'm intelligent, which I appreciate. Hmm. Driven, judgmental, hmm. which I am. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Growing, extroverted, determined, cute, fun, insecure, caring, motherly, selfish, hmm. which I am. That's not Sometimes a, you have to be. Yeah. Um, impatient. True. <laughs> Feminine, silly, optimistic, experimental, youthful, and that's all I'm going to read to you. Oh. So. You a little spicy after that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, cool. Well, I, I can't thank you enough um, so, for this hour and 52-minute well, conversation where um, all about Angela, all about the I, bookstore, all about like your I life. I feel like I talked way too much about myself. It's okay. Hey, um, it's not live, so nobody could really tune out. And um, my average listen on a full episode, I don't care if it's an hour to an hour and a half, is uh, five and a half minutes. So that's why I started cutting them up. Yeah. And those were getting full listens after that. But on a full episode, which is anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half, uh, I've done a two-hour one with Cole McRae. Um, I taught him. Did you? Yeah. Cool. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's, he's always been a he's always been a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know so if anyway, I actually yeah. taught him anything. He was in my class, though. Okay. Well, yeah, and 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 I don't I, I I don't look at the metrics and judge myself. I look at them to, as a benchmark of sorts. Like, okay, you know what's working, what's not working. Like, I don't care how many likes I get. I'm getting absolutely uh, zero interaction on social media at the moment, which really don't care it's it's i post them and i know people are listening to them and even though i put a call for action out there something's not working whatever you know I, i'm not hurt but uh so i'm trying to come up with ways to to really uh that's one of my next goals uh is is to really really hone in on the social media interaction and i think what i'm gonna my first plan of action on that is to do like a uh a vote for a quarterly uh, like a quarterly vote or maybe semi-annually on favorite episode, you know, and that's, and I'm going to have to go back and cut up a lot of episodes. That way people don't have to sit and listen to the whole thing. They can just maybe listen to a clip right. of several and then pick, you know, and just have a rah, rah. And then maybe that person, I don't know. I don't know where it goes from there, but I think having people vote on something usually brings in a little, little traffic. Yeah. Who knows? <clears throat> uh, I'm figuring this out as I go. Well, you know, when I bought the store, one of the things I wanted to do was a podcast. Cool. And I actually recorded two episodes. Cool. And they never made it in, out into the airwaves. <laughs> They're in the archives at the They're moment. They're in the archives. Um, but watching you go through this process and, you know, like kind of being, seeing. Guinea pig. Seeing what you're doing has, has inspired me and, um. I don't know. I, was, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I could rent studio time from Michael to do my podcast. Sure. You know, I've got equipment. Um, I've got my old equipment too. That sounds great, and it's great for beginners. And this is 
you know, I'm not to say I'm an expert or even middle of the road. I'm still a beginner, but um, I made the commitment to buy what I bought just so I would do it. It wasn't too hefty of an investment. Um, and then once I got through about 18 or 19 episodes, I was like, this is, I'm going to do this for as long as I feel like doing it. So I might as well just buy my forever equipment. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. And Zach's music hooked me up uh, with most of it. And I appreciate the heck out of him. Um, we worked together on some oh, things. and He's great. Oh, yeah. He knew exactly what I needed. And I didn't even know I needed these little red things, these dynamite sticks. So these mics put out a lot of gain. Like, they've got a lot of power to them. And this can handle most of it. But this really this really makes the sound where they need to go. And he suggested it. So um, threw them in the bag and, and moved on with it. But... Uh, but yeah, um, that's amazing. good to hear that um, at least they're, you know, I'm uh, providing a little bit of inspiration for people. Well, yeah, to... I, I'm, I mean, I listen to yours and I enjoy. I've enjoyed every episode. I'm, yeah. I'm hopefully I'm bringing your your averages up because sure. I do listen to. Yeah, there's a gr- there's a core like, group of about twenty people that listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do hear a lot of feedback from a lot of people. Hey, I listen to this. Some of it. Some, a lot of it's I listen to some. I need to go back and listen to more. Right. Whatever. Great. You got time. I know they're long, you know, and that's why I cut them up. Like here, I, I need to give you something that you can listen to um, in your car on the way from home to work and back and forth or whatever it may be. And if, you know, on a weekend, if you're chilling, hanging out, you know, drinking and you want to just listen to a podcast, turn it on. You listen to the whole yeah. thing, you know. I just, I love that. I mean, you're interviewing people, some people that I, I wouldn't have known, people that I do know. And I'm I like learning about my own community which is fantastic. So that's inspired me. Another thing that might be coming in the future is to do kind of the same thing, but interview readers. Oh, cool. Because what we have at the bookstore is a reading community. Huh. So talk about books. It's a community of readers and writers and to start interviewing and just talk about books. Cool. Like, let's just sit down and talk about books. What have you been reading? And, you know, we have a lot of readers who are are really interesting people yeah that oh i can imagine yeah i've always wanted i've, I've asked you i know i've asked you several times i can like, interview you about the what are your last three books you uh, read you want to hear about aliens and i do like yeah. i really want to get inside <laughs> your brain michael you know well i, mean, I keep asking i'm like Angela, I need to know the other people that are purchasing these books that I'm buying, and I want to start my own little well, therapy group here. You know, we did a matchmaking thing. Did, did you? Did I tell you this? At the uh-uh. store one day, there was, um, we have this one gentleman who comes in, he, he he gets his coffee, he comes in, and he strolls around, and um, we talk about books, he buys books, whatever. Well, then we have this other guy that started coming in, and, and one day I was like, you know, you really need to meet this guy. Because you guys would have great conversations. And then, the, the, like, we say this to both. I tell both of them this. And, like, three days later, they're both in the coffee shop. Uh-uh. And, they re- and they're like, wait, are you so-and-so? You're the matchmaker. Yeah. And they're like, they told me at the bookstore about you. And now they're, like, best friends. No they're way. Like, I yeah, can imagine. That would be a really good place to meet somebody. Yeah, they're because they read the same thing. I'm sure. like, I don't know how to talk to you about aliens, Michael, sure. but let me tell you about this other person <laughs> over here. That you really need to meet. So, cool. I would like that. So you yeah, make me. I'm a married man, um, can, but I can talk about books. Yeah, I mean, it's sure. not you don't have to <laughs> marry to the date, person. Yeah. <laughs> it's not dating, but yeah, that's how, that could be our podcast. You know, I like book, that book matching. Book matching. Cool. Match people um, up. You want to plug your socials? Before we sign off? Um, sure. We have, we're on Instagram at 
uh, at Reading Rock Books. We're on Facebook. I, I, I didn't think about it. I think we're the Reading. If you just search the Reading Rock, we'll come up on okay. Facebook. Yeah. Um, and we're on Twitter. And I have a TikTok, but I'm not very good at that. Not yet. I'm not either. Not yet. I've told myself TikTok. Their algorithms are crazy. Um, crazy good. Uh, but I, I've made a commitment to myself to. I have a Your Vibes TikTok, and I don't necessarily. I haven't actually done any TikToks on the podcast, filmed anything, which a lot of podcasters do. But I haven't gotten into the film yet, so I'm just kind of doing deep thoughts and inspirational things. And I actually just adopted a one-eyed cat that was found behind your store. Yeah. Um, named him Fetty. And uh, so I did some on that, but something every single day, just put some content out there, you know, and just get I'll used have to, to it. I'll have to follow you. Sure. It's your vibes podcast. That's it. I have to, I, TikTok is like a, it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole, yeah. which is why I haven't done more on there. And, and anyway, there's but, a lot going on and I'm still learning it and my videos out there, are, you know, poor, but, uh, they're getting better. I know we have much. a few. I had, I was like, we're going to do this. And we did a few and then it just takes a lot of time. We've gone through some changes at the store. Um, we, I, I, we don't have to talk about all this, but we had one bookseller who is at Yellowstone. Oh, wow. Doing a summer shoot. My, well, Sarah Reagan, um, one of the Reagan family. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I mean, how could she not be? But, but um, she went. She started working in high school, then went off to college. She was going to come back. Uh, she came back last summer. This summer, she's going to Yellowstone to work for the summer. So cool. she couldn't come back. Uh, Grace Peters, who is a bookseller with us for a while, took a job at Disney World. Oh, wow. I can't imagine why she thought sure. that would be more fun than reading <laughs> rock books. But she's in Florida now. So... Um, trying to re figure out how to get all the social media stuff and everything else done at the same time is, it's is yeah, it's a lot. So our socials are kind of, I had a call the other day. When's she going to do another uh, new book video? Like, ah, yes, I'm going to do mm, another new book video. Yeah. yeah. So things take priority and I know it's tough, uh, but you're chugging right along and, um, doing well and and it was a pleasure talking to you it's great it talking is, to you as always and uh tomorrow is trivia so if you're feeling wild you want to have another hopefully another author doesn't die and you have a breakdown in the middle of the street but <laughs> <laughs> it uh, wasn't in the middle of the street we were in the car oh okay we were in the well, car. that's good it I, wasn't a public I cried cry over beverly clear <laughs> cool. that was a great loss it is it, yeah it is a, she was over 100 years old though wow so the secret to living old is being an author, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. See, I haven't written my first book yet, mm. but it's going to happen. Okay. And I'm going to live to be 114. I like it. I like it. Cool. I still um, have plenty of time. You do. Yeah, you're still in the first quarter of your life then. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, truly do appreciate uh, the support. And be sure to like, share, follow on Facebook. Um Instagram. I do have a TikTok. Uh, subscribe to YouTube um, and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so you can get those alerts. And until next time, you guys enjoy yourselves. Peace. <laughs>